I love the way in God's good providence, the way that timing just kind of works out sometimes. So yesterday was the 45th anniversary of the election of Albino Luciani as Pope John Paul I. So that happened August 26, 1978. He had been the Archbishop of Venice. And for those of you who don't know a lot about Blessed John Paul I, and before this week, I didn't, uh, he only served as the Holy Father for 33 days. So he died just, you know, just a month later on September the 28th, 1978. And it was interesting kind of reading a few things about him. Uh, For example, you know, every pope takes a motto, kind of trying to like sum up the theme of what they're striving to accomplish. You think about St. John Paul II. We hear this every year. We get the Totus Tuus team here because Totus Tuus was his motto. You know, totally yours, you know, to Christ through Mary. And Pope Benedict XVI was co-workers in the truth. Blessed John Paul I, his motto was just one word, humilitas, humility. And in that 33 days, he gave four papal audiences, you know, like the, the speech that the Pope gives once a week on Wednesdays, typically. The first one was on humility, and then the next three were on the basics, faith, hope, and love. And then he died the next day after his last one. And I'll tell you, I learned a line from him that he gave in that talk on humility, and he said it was a prayer that he prays every day and recommended that we all pray it every day as well. And that was this, Lord, take me as I am with my defects, with my shortcomings, but make me as you desire me. So that was what Blessed John Paul I recommended that we pray, recognizing he had defects, he had shortcomings, but Lord, make me as you desire me. And there he was, the 263rd successor of St. Peter. And of course, today, we get these readings that give us, you know, the, the firm foundation of what it means to be the Holy Father, to be Peter, you know, the, the rock on which our Lord builds his church. And I would say right in line with the providence of the first reading, is, or with the gospel, is the second reading as well. You know, in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, in just thinking about the papacy, and thinking about the way that the, the love of Christ, that the truth of the gospel has been handed down through the ages, just this opening line of St. Paul, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. To think about the brief pontificate of John Paul I, to think about, even right now, Jorge Bergoglio, who is now Pope Francis, to think about the way that God hands on the faith throughout the ages, how unsearchable his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. He has a way of doing things that I wouldn't necessarily pick, but I am not the Christ, the son of the living God. He is, and he knows what he's doing. And as we look at this gospel, there are two things I want to just kind of meditate on today. And thinking about the way that our Lord knows how to make his love present throughout the ages. The way that he knows how to build his church in such a way that no storm can wash it away, right? So two things, one that just kind of came to me new this week in studying, getting ready, one that I read a few years back. The first is this. 
you know, the way that this gospel opens up with Jesus asking the disciples about basically like a public opinion poll, right? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? You know, and they give him the, the, the typical answers, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, right? And notice, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus is saying the Son of Man, giving one of the titles that he uses for himself very often throughout his ministry, right? I mean, even in his trial, the night that he's arrested, he talks about the Son of Man coming on the clouds, causes the chief priest to tear his garments, right? So he's using this title. But notice, after they give him the results of the public opinion poll, which, by the way, you may have noticed were wrong, right? Nobody's got this right. He says to his disciples, but you, who do you say that I am? Notice, not who do you say that the Son of Man is, but who do you say that I am? He goes to a more personal level. He's not using a title for himself, but you, who have been with me, who have been closer, who do you say that I am? You've got the closer relationship with them, and then we get that wonderful just exclamation from our first pope. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, just say, to look at that, right, to see St. Peter, we've had the opportunity to kind of reflect on him quite a bit the last couple of weeks, and I think it's evidence he's not perfect, right? He makes a lot of mistakes. Remember a couple weeks ago when we had the scene of Jesus walking on the water and Peter calling out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to walk on the water. Yes, Peter, come, right? And he walks on the water. And to be fair, he does take a few steps, right? He's on the water for a minute. But then what does he do? He's overwhelmed by the wind. He sees the storm around him. And immediately, he begins to sink. But thanks be to God, he also knows what to do. He calls out, Lord, save me. But Jesus had to say to him, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? We can compare that to the Canaanite woman from last week, right? Oh, woman, great is your faith. But Peter, the first pope, Jesus has to say to him, why did you doubt? Oh, how little your faith. And we know that even after today, it's not like Peter is just amazing from here on out. Just wait till the gospel next week. But also if we fast forward to the Last Supper, I mean, think about this. When Jesus predicts the fact that everybody's going to scatter, Peter's like, you know what? Even if everybody else denies you, not this guy. And of course, our Lord says, oh, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And to add insult to injury, like writing you jerk on someone's cassock, on someone's, uh, someone's cast, cassock, don't write anything on my cassock, okay? But like, you know, adding insult to injury, it's a servant girl who asks him, he's like, I don't even know the man. Really? So you look at that and like our Lord picks him to be the rock, to be the one on which he's going to build his church. And of course, there will be the threefold opportunity. Simon, son of John, just like today, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Our Lord doesn't pick him because he's perfect, doesn't pick him because he's never going to fail. No, he picks him, I think, in a big way, because think about a few weeks ago, we had the transfiguration. What did St. Thomas Aquinas say about why he took those three up the mountain? You know, he took James, he'd be the first martyr. John, because Jesus loved him the most. Peter, because he loved Jesus the most. And notice, he doesn't respond thinking like, okay, what's the crowd saying? What do you guys think? Okay, now I'll speak. No, who do you say that I am? And Peter, in his boldness, in his love for Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's bold. He has that love for Jesus who has the love for him 
and it's on him that he becomes the rock that the church is going to be built. Now, as we continue on, like I said, thinking about the papacy, the very brief one of John Paul I, think about where we are 2,000 years later after this. Sometimes, I think we can start to feel like, oh my gosh, you know, all these things are closing in around us. It's a scary time, all this evil out there. This is the second thing I wanted to point out in this gospel. I didn't even realize this until probably just a couple years ago. I was reading this commentary piece. And the author of that pointed out this line. You know, after he says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And then we get the guarantee. The gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Now, I always pictured that in my mind, like, okay, we got to hunker down, right? It's like, basically, it's like the devil and the demons, like, they're at the door, sin and death are trying to get in. We just have to, like, hunker down and wait for the tornado to go away, right? No. Think about this. Have you ever just like walked down the street, you know, you're just out and about, you're out with a walk with your family, and all of a sudden, the gates from someone's house come out and start attacking you and like try to grab you? No, that doesn't happen, right? Why? Because gates are defensive. Gates try to keep stuff out. They don't go out on the attack. Gates keep things from coming in. Jesus says, the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Those gates are defensive, not offensive. We in the church are not about just protecting the institution, right? I know that we are super close to paying off the debt. I love this building. I love this campus. It's amazing. I'm grateful we're there. Thank you for your generosity. I mean, it's wonderful we are where we are. However, the purpose of what we do, the fact that our Lord's love echoes throughout the centuries, built on the rock of St. Peter, we're not just hunkering down. We're going out there beating down the gates of the netherworld because sin and death and evil, they will not win. And Jesus is risen from the dead. As we hear, he descended into hell and on the third day rose again. Why did he beat down the doors of hell? To save souls. Our Lord is on the offensive. And my friends, so are we. We don't have to live our lives afraid of what evil might do. I mean, really, the only thing we have to fear is sin. Now, we look at St. Peter himself, right? Eventually, he would, in the humilitas of blessed John Paul I, be crucified as well, just like Jesus. And in humilitas, asked to be crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be killed in the same way as our Savior. But Peter is victorious. Where's the Roman Empire now, right? You think about the strength of the netherworld, it always crumbles. Sin and death and evil, they never deliver what they promise. But the love of Christ is strong. And I know Peter is a foundational stone, but at the same time, I think it helps to almost think about him like the stone you know, in David's pocket that he flings at Goliath and hits him between the eyes and he goes down. The same is true when it comes to the church. We are on the offensive. The gates of the netherworld will not prevail against her. The goodness of Christ, the love that we celebrate at every mass, that is what is successful. Now, I readily admit from this second reading, the depth and the riches of the knowledge of God, how incredible they are. They're not what I would have planned. That's good, because I'm not the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is. And he chooses fallen instruments, like Albino Luciani, back in 1978, like Kara Wojtyla, just a month later, right? And still, the gospel continues on. 
continues to be proclaimed as he says to those men in that role, who do you say that I am? And as Jesus said to Peter at the Last Supper, after you've been tempted, you know, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. After you turn and come back, strengthen your brethren. Pray for Pope Francis that he does that well, that he loves our Lord, is able to make that bold proclamation, that he may strengthen the brethren. And at the same time, let's pray for one another, that we too are able not to just go with the polling and be wrong about who Jesus is, but as he says to us, who do you say that I am? That with our lives, we're able to say to him, I love you. That we're able to go out there fearlessly to proclaim the gospel. Because ultimately, the gates of the netherworld will not prevail. We're on the offensive, not the defensive. The love of Christ is that which will never fail. And he continues to offer us that in the church that is built on the rock of St. Peter. So no matter how big the storm, our God is bigger. The love of Christ is stronger. And so every day we're called to be like Peter, to say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And as we say that, we go out there boldly proclaiming the good news, overcoming sin and death, and God willing, everything that we do. Praise be Jesus Christ.